Medical professionals from all over the world have joined together to help the sick and injured survivors of Haiti's devastating earthquake. These medical volunteers are not just physicians, they're nurses, paramedics, corpsmen, therapists, technicians. Every type of medical professional is represented in this international effort, including physician assistants. And we have one of them with us today from Haiti. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell. With me today is Eric Holden, and he's here to help us understand their current international relief efforts in Haiti. Hi, Eric. Welcome to ReachMD. Hey, thanks. So, Eric, first of all, how are you doing? We're doing really well, actually. We ended up with the 82nd Airborne, and they're treating us really well over here. Was that your plan to hook up with them? No, it's, it's been kind of a series of nice coincidences. When we initially came over, we didn't really have a set plan for where we wanted to go. We just had a bunch of gear with us and a bunch of medics and PAs and some nurses, and we've got two docs with us. And we just knew we wanted to hit the hardest hit areas and try and provide some medical care, and things just have really come together for us. There's a lawyer in town who let us use his property to camp on. So we're uh, all camped out in the driveway and tents in the center of Port-au-Prince. And we're initially, our plan was to go out and run some clinics, which we did for several days. In our first two days, we saw 800 people and some small clinics. And then after that, we ran into, just by chance, a group of soldiers from the 82nd Airborne. And they offered to uh, let us join their group. So we're now attached to the 82nd Airborne. We've moved all of our medical gear within the confines of their compound. And we're going out with their teams and doing uh, mobile assessments to different tent cities. Fantastic. So that helps with your security there. Security really has actually not been that much of an issue. You hear a lot of talk on kind of the mainstream media about looting and pillaging, and really it's more kind of scavenging for food. I mean, these are folks who, you know, haven't eaten or had much to drink in the last couple of days, and uh, so they know there's a grocery store that, you know, has collapsed, and they, they climb in, they find a couple of bottles of water, and they leave. It's not, there's really no violence. So we've never been afraid for our safety here. Well, that's good to hear. Hey, Eric, tell us about the circumstances that led to your trip to Haiti. Kind of an interesting series of coincidences. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and this group is based out of New York City. A PA friend of mine, Mike Jones, went on a trip with this group in 2005 to the earthquake in Pakistan. And he knew that I'd previously been in Haiti. I'm part of a disaster medical assistance team, the DMAT team. And we do a training mission out here every summer. So I was actually out here last summer in a rural village running a clinic with a couple other folks. And he heard about the earthquake here, and he called me up and asked me if I'd be interested in going with NYC Medics, and he made an introduction for me. And they flew me out here. Actually, uh, what's really nice is JetBlue has been comping us all of our airfare. They flew the whole team to New York City, and they flew us from New York City to the Dominican Republic, to Santo Domingo, and they're going to be flying us home. Fantastic. So many people are aware of the New York City medics, and if they're not, they should be. They've done a lot of great things. As you mentioned, the 2005 Pakistan earthquake. Are some of the guys that were involved in that earthquake with you in this relief effort? Yeah, actually, it's essentially the same team that went out initially. There are a couple founding members of the team. There's a guy named Phil Suarez who kind of started it with another paramedic named Al Kim, and they're both here. There's another paramedic here named Joe Connolly who was actually uh, featured in a movie starring Nicolas Cage a couple years ago called Bringing Out the Dead. So are they giving you any good advice? Oh, they are, definitely. It's a seasoned group of folks, and so they really have a rhythm down for how to deal with disasters, how to uh, kind of establish, you know, quick camps, see people, you know, who have the greatest need, and move on to the next group. There's a lot of primary care that needs to be done here, but... This group is really more established for trauma and for critical care. So we're trying to leave the more primary care issues to uh, to other organizations at this point. Tell us about your medical team. We have eight paramedics. We have two PAs. We have a nurse and two doctors. It's a great team of folks. And we had a kind of a forward team that came out first to kind of set everything up for us, a team of three. 
and they paved the way for us, found some local contacts. They were the ones who found this place for us to live initially. They've really, you know, set up a lot of things for us to make this work. Tell us about the medical infrastructure there. Is there one? There's not much of one. The way the hospital system works here is most of the local physicians before the earthquake and still currently are, are Cuban physicians. They come here and do their training in Haiti. But the way the system is set up here, there's no medical equipment really for them to use, you know, supplies such as syringes and gauze and medications. So if someone comes into the hospital, they get free evaluation by the physicians and are given a list of supplies that they need. And then the family needs to go out and purchase those from the local pharmacies. And then they're brought back and then you know, they're used in the care of that patient. Unfortunately, a lot of the families here just don't have the money to afford expensive antibiotics and, you know, all the equipment that's needed. So, you know, often it's suboptimal care, unfortunately. What kind of supplies do you guys have? We brought quite a lot of stuff with us. A variety of organizations donated things to us, including most of the hospitals in New York City. The first day I was in town, we spent acquiring supplies throughout New York City. Uh, these medics know everybody in town, so they just called around to all the local hospitals, said we need gauze, we need antibiotics. You know, we need a variety of supplies, and different hospitals said, oh, yeah, we've got some, you know, antibiotics that are going to expire in two months. You can take them. We've got, you know, lots of extra gauze. We have splints available, and everything we need, uh, the hospitals in New York just came up with for us. They even, one of the hospitals even loaned us an ambulance to drive around for the day and pick up supplies. It was very nice. Well, you know, we're getting secondhand information from Haiti, and we're hearing about all the medical supplies being hijacked. Tell us about what you know in that respect. We haven't heard any of that. And, and we've been actually through the heart of Port-au-Prince, the areas that are supposedly the hardest hit. The other day we went through City Soleil, which is supposedly the epicenter of all of this, and we felt safe there. At no point did we feel like we were in any danger of, you know, being kidnapped or having anything stolen from us. And that was before we were with the 82nd Airborne. So the, the people of Haiti really are, are gentle, and, and I think they appreciate our help. Well, what were your expectations coming into this? I was concerned about security, as I think we all were. But after being on the ground for only a couple hours, we realized that people were just welcoming us here. And they were really, you know, happy to see that people were coming to provide care. As soon as they saw our medical insignias on our T-shirts and things, they realized that we weren't just photographers and we weren't here to kind of take advantage of their situation, but actually to provide some care. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Eric Holden, physician assistant, and he's currently in Haiti participating in the international relief effort. All right, so your DMAT team works and has a clinic in Haiti. Are you anywhere near there? No, that's actually on the other side of Haiti. We're in Port-au-Prince now. That clinic, which we run kind of sporadically throughout the year, is in an area that is south of Jeremy in a town called Lyon. It's more than 100 miles from here. So they were actually unaffected by the quake. Well, that's good news. I'm receiving daily emails of physician assistants that are there volunteering. Have you come across any? I haven't come across any other PAs here aside from the other one on my team, Chris Summers, who's a CT surgical PA working in New York City. But, uh, yeah, I've heard there are others here. I actually ran across some paramedics from the area I used to work in when I was a paramedic in Ventura County, California. So that was kind of interesting, running into people I used to know, you know, at the airport at the Dominican Republic. We're hearing that there's over 2 million homeless now that are preparing to leave Port-au-Prince, and they're going to move to more rural settings. Are you guys going to move where the people go? I think at this point we're going to stay concentrated in the urban areas. It seems that's where most of the more serious injuries are. Uh, Most of the patients we've seen with serious orthopedic injuries had, had walls fall on them or received traumatic injuries from sharp things related to falls of buildings themselves. We've actually been out into the rural areas. I went out with an assessment team today to an area called Carrefour, which is about 45 minutes away from here. And uh, we found that the, the injuries in those areas were very minor. 
So we're going to try and concentrate on the urban areas for now. That seems to be where most of the need still is. And what kind of injuries are you seeing? The most serious injuries we've seen have been significant fractures. We actually have associations with a few of the hospitals here that have been set up by the German team and the Cuban team, and uh, they've been willing to take our patients. We've had some patients with pelvic fractures. We found a patient yesterday who had had a pelvic fracture and uh, had not moved since the time of the earthquake. His family had been caring for him there, but uh, he had a significant injury, which probably would have resulted in his death, I think, at some point, if, if we didn't get him evaluated and evacuated to a hospital for surgery. We had someone today with an open tibial fracture, similar situation, which we transported. We found a number of patients in, in various 10 cities when we've been looking around who are dehydrated, malnourished, and hypoglycemic, and we've resuscitated them in the field, actually, and most of them turn around enough that we don't need to transport them even. So the patients you're seeing are actually getting further care. Yeah, they are. The more serious patients we have, we're passing on to the various hospitals in town here, and there's, there's a good infrastructure being built up now with a lot of orthopedic surgeons, general surgeons. There's some critical care going on. A problem down here has been electricity. There, a lot of the places down here run on generators, and the supply of gasoline has been inconsistent. For example, the patient we had with a pelvic fracture, we took into a hospital, and it was obvious clinically that the patient had a, a pelvic fracture, but the surgeons really wanted to see the x-rays, and they couldn't take x-rays until today because they had no gasoline to power their generators to run their radiology department. Well, the 82nd Airborne certainly is helpful in finding supplies, I'm sure. Yes, they definitely have been. The group that we're with, their mission is to deliver water and food supplies within a, a quadrant of the city that they're in right now. And within their area, they've done a great deal. It, it seems like most of the people now have received adequate water and at least, you know, some food. Uh, there's still quite a need here. There was actually quite a bit of need in Haiti even before the earthquake. Haiti is the, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. How are they feeding you? Are you getting food and water? Oh, yeah, they're treating us very well. Our team is actually completely self-sufficient, the NYC Medics team. We brought our own food with us. We brought our own stoves, our own tents. We didn't know what kind of situation we were walking into, so they basically told us up front, you know, pretend you're going camping for two weeks because it may just be off on our own in the middle of a field somewhere with our tents and stoves and whatever food we can carry on our backs. So we all basically brought what we needed to take care of ourselves, you know, without any assistance at all. Yeah, let's talk for a bit about New York City Medics. They've got quite an amazing history. Can you kind of give us their story? Yeah, I can give you kind of a little outline of that. When the initial earthquake happened in Pakistan, some of the medics had heard that no care was going into some of these more rural areas, and they really wanted to get supplies and help into those areas. They were able to find someone who would fly them over and and pay for some supplies. It was actually an Islamic relief organization that was concerned about patients in that area. They put up a lot of money and flew them over and paid for their supplies, and they were actually dropped into a really kind of remote area where no one had been yet and they provided care to three or 4,000 patients while they were there. So uh, since that time, they've been involved with some other disasters as well. We tried to get a team out for um, the most recent disaster in China, and actually uh, it ended up being mostly problems with uh, various state departments and getting passports and visas approved, and they weren't able to get a team out for that. But for Haiti, it's worked out quite well. They were happy to have us. When we crossed the border into Haiti, they didn't even look at our passports. How long will you stay? There's another group that it's going to come and relieve us. We're going to overlap for one day in the Dominican Republic, and now they will probably also be here for uh, 10 days to two weeks. I think at this point for them, the, the mission is kind of evolving and it's going to be changing a little bit. While we were kind of going in and, and seeing the most critical patients, people who needed immediate assistance, 
I think their role will take on more of a primary care type of function. We've received a lot more donations just while we've been here of routine medications for hypertension, for diabetes, things of that nature. And, and a lot of people here who are on chronic medications have been able to see a doctor or get into a pharmacy at the time of the earthquake. So they're out of all their medications and we now have the ability to resupply those. And what are the common primary care medical issues that you see there? There's a lot of hypertension in Haiti. A lot of it is related to the diet here. They use a lot of salt in their cooking. There's a lot of fried food. They fry everything here. They fry bananas. They fry mangoes, you know, chicken, goat, you name it. Anything that can be fried, they fry here, and then they cover it with salt. So we see people as, as young as 15 or 16 with significant hypertension. So the World Health Organization has uh, guidelines for treating hypertension, which we're using, using uh, hydrochlorothiazide, and we received a large supply of that uh, from one of the local relief organizations. We have several thousand tablets of that, so I think our next team will probably start providing people with a month or two of antihypertensives uh, when they come for evaluation. Could you talk a little about preparing for something like this? I know this is a time when everyone wants to help if you're a medical professional, but you and all of the people in your group, you were already prepared for this, working with DMAT or NYC Medics. So this would probably be a good time to let people know if in the next natural disaster you would like to be a part of it, what kind of things should they be doing now? There are a number of supplies that people need to do something like this. If you're outfitted for camping in the backcountry, you probably have almost everything you need. You need a good three-season tent. You need a quality water filter that gets both bacteria as well as viruses. We found as soon as we got here that a number of people didn't have adequate water filtration. They had things that would only pull out giardia, but not things that would pull out viruses. So we had to come up with some stronger chemical means, some chlorine tablets, things along those nature that would kill bacteria. Certainly the clothing is important. A lot of us are wearing the the lightweight nylon kind of pants that zip off into shorts. You know, things that you can sweat in. It's, it's hot and it's wet here. It's, you know, 90 degrees every day and 90% humidity. So it's like, you know, being in the, in the Bahamas. So it's, it's hot and wet. So people need to be prepared for that. What about training? Should people be looking at an NGOs or should they be looking at the federal disaster medical teams? What would you recommend for them to get training to be prepared? There are a couple of different ways to do it. Probably the best way is to be involved with their local DMAT teams. Uh, every state has a DMAT team. And several of them are here on the ground now. I think we actually beat our local DMAT team here. I'm on the Oregon DMAT team, and they're going to be leaving for Haiti the day that I get back. So certainly the smaller organizations, although they don't have, you know, as many supplies and things ready, they have the advantage of being more mobile. If you have 10 guys, you can get something like this together in three or four days and just leave. If you have to mobilize 30 or 40 people and move all those supplies, it's a little more difficult. But becoming a part of a DMAT team means that you can provide emergency care in your home communities throughout other states you know, domestically as well as for international events such as this. Actually, we just got a call. I need to go, Lisa. Okay. We're heading out with the 82nd on another uh, mission here. So, Hey, thanks for joining us. Be safe. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And I thank you for listening.